0: When you came in today, you probably received a small book disguised as a program. And uh, part of the reason that that was so thick this morning is that inside of it is this brochure, uh, which talks about what we do around here uh, for missions. And some of you are aware, 6% of everything that you give immediately is taken and, and funneled to our missions program in which we use to make the name of Jesus famous, not just here in Chandler, but to take this incredible story that you and I have figured out to anybody and everybody we possibly can. It is our hope... That every single adult who calls Cornerstone home at some point in their lifetime will go at least one time on a trip somewhere outside of our comfort zone, somewhere outside of Chandler. And say, look, I'm just going to leverage my influence, my person, and, and take this incredible story, this incredible testimony that I have, and just... Shine the light a little bit brighter. Just speak a little bit louder, especially in places where sometimes there's not a lot of light and sometimes the story of Jesus is very, very quiet that you and I would leverage it and say, no, 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 I'm willing to take a week. I'll take 10 days and I'll, I'll try to go make a dent in this thing and just tell the wonderful story, this incredible story that Jesus changed his lives. Our hope is, is that every adult would do that at some point. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Take a look inside this brochure. I think they've got about 12 missions trips that we got listed. We're hoping this year that 100 adults will go out from this church somewhere around the world for at least a week. Um, and there's a booth that's outside. You can go visit that booth, answer all the questions. Uh, some of the trips are about building playgrounds and while we're there we you know we tell sometimes we go and help in schools sometimes we do vacation bible schools and tell the story all sorts of amazing amazing moments i'll just simply say this to you if you go on one of these trips you will talk about it for the rest of your life it's that powerful it's that need of an experience As you visit the booth, you might want to put your name down. You're not signing up for anything. You're simply saying, let me know about the trips. Because one of these days, one of those trips is going to hit my heart. I'm going to be able to go. I'm going to hop on the plane. We're going to take off together and do this. So it's in there. Hit the booth today. Find out a little bit more about it. It's pretty appropriate that you and I are talking about that on a day like today because... Uh, We're going through the things that make Cornerstone, Cornerstone. The the values that have made this a place that you and I love to be at. And it's why we came the first time and said, man, this is home. It's why uh, we heard the message and our hearts were changed and our lives were forever different. And we're talking about those things that make this place the place that we all love to come to and hear about God. And one of the things that makes this place that place is that we from day one have just simply said, We will tell the story of Jesus without apology. Uh, We won't be embarrassed by it. We won't be ashamed of it. We're going to simply as loudly and as clearly, without being obnoxious or mean, but simply say, this is who Jesus is, and this is what he does. It's different than you probably have ever experienced, and it's why your life can be forever changed if you'll listen to and believe the story. So we've done that uh, since uh, day one. My best guess is there's someone, probably many of us in this room, who would say, look, Lynn, I love the story of Jesus. I Believe me, I spent years and years and years of my life stumbling through this world, trying to figure out what I was missing, and then when I finally heard this story, man, I was forever changed. I, I cannot tell you how different I am. And i, I got to tell you, I believe this from the bottom of my heart. The thing that I struggle with is... Why does my answer have to be everybody else's answer? And, 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 and I mean, can't everybody else find the thing that works for them? I mean, Jesus worked for me, but can't everybody else find whatever that is that works in their life? Doesn't everybody get to pick and choose this thing? And, and, and so why is it so important that I tell anybody? This is kind of personal. Why should, you know, do I really have to tell anybody else what's going on with me? If you would stop and think a moment, here's what I'll bet you. I will bet you that every last person in this room, that the reason you're here today is because someone told you. Someone was unapologetic in their faith. Someone lived Jesus out loud in front of you. It, It may have been Aunt Matilda, you know, and she smelled like mothballs, but by golly, she loved Jesus, you know, and... And as a kid, it didn't make a lot of sense, but somewhere when you were struggling again to figure it out, you went, you know what? Aunt Matilda had something. You know, It may have been a neighbor. It may have been a co-worker at work. It may have been Who knows who it was? But I can just about guarantee that every person in this room, if I asked you, would say, no, no, no. I can tell you one or two or three people who through their influence, through strategic moments in my life, when they just simply said something, it may have even been just a little thing, but they said it about Jesus and it stuck. And, and I couldn't get it. And when that moment came and I needed, it made sense. Some of you are sitting here today next to the person who told you and invited you to come. And here's what you need. And here's what we need to grab today. It is possible that those moments in which you and I say out loud what Jesus has done in our life. Those may be the most important words that ever pass our lips. So how is that, Lynn? Why, why would that be? It's a fair question. Grab your Bibles this morning. We're going to talk about this just a little bit. Book of Romans. If you're not real familiar with, familiar with your Bible, if you go to the back and work to the left, you're going to find this book of Romans. Matter of fact, the New Testament starts Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 5. We're going to spend a couple of moments talking uh, theology. And uh, before you go into snooze mode, hang on, because if you do, you'll lose. Okay? Snooze, you lose. So hang with me for just a second, because this is, hopefully this is going to make some sense to our hearts and lives today. It's Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 12. Here's what it says. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death came to all men. Because all sinned. Now let me let me see if I can help you with this and what I'm saying. Is saying, look, there was this moment in which one man blew it for everybody else, made a mistake that everybody else has been paying for ever since, and we know that guy was. Adam. Yeah. And most of you are familiar with the story. There's Adam. There's Eve. They're in the garden of Eden. And God simply says to them, look, you can eat any tree. You can do anything you want to do. You simply cannot eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the one restriction I have for you. And you know that Satan then comes to them in the form of a serpent and says to Eve, see, there goes God again. The one thing you need to be happy. The one thing that your life is aching for. The the one little shred of, that's what God won't let you have. And he convinces Eve to take the fruit and to eat. And Eve in that moment, tastes the fruit, decides it's good. Turns and hands it to her husband, Adam. Says, Adam, try this, man. It's amazing. Adam takes the fruit. So we figured out that really it's Eve that messed us up. <laughs> and you realize men have been stumbling because of women ever since, right? No, actually, okay, and don't don't miss this. Scripture is absolutely clear that Eve is not the one that got us in trouble. And and I don't know what would have happened if if Adam had looked at Eve and said, no, 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 I'm not going to eat the fruit. I don't know if God would have like... Replaced her? I don't know. You know? I don't know. But Scripture is crystal clear when it says it's not Eve's decision that got you and I in trouble. It was Adam's because, here's what Scripture says, Adam was there representing us. That as he stood in that moment, as he made that decision, he made that decision as you're in my representative and therefore you and I get to live with his lousy decision. Now, guys, this shouldn't be that confusing. You and I live in America. We live in a country of representatives. Every couple of years, you and I vote to elect our representatives. And they go off to Washington, and there they cast votes all the time. And, of course, you and I agree with every vote they make. Right? Okay. And that's exactly what Adam... Adam stands there in front of a tree, and he cast a vote... On your behalf and mine. Wrong vote. Wrong vote. And scripture simply says this. That because of that vote. Every child of Adam. Every son. Every daughter of Adam. Was born from that day forward. With a stain. With the need of a savior wrong vote. Matter of fact, scripture says that vote was a vote for death. Now, not physical death. See, you and I, in our Western culture, immediately when we hear death, we think, we think physical death. Well, Adam doesn't fall over dead in the garden, but Adam died that day. He died relationally. He lost his ability to relate And have a relationship with God. He gave it away. He died to that possibility. The closest you and I can get to that, I think, is divorce. Isn't that really what happens to the relationship of marriage when a divorce happens? Doesn't that relationship die? And the possibility of going forward, the possibility of doing life together, dies with that divorce. You realize that Adam voted divorce from God. And the problem is this, that divorce got passed down to every son and daughter of Adam. Now, I know some of you are going, whoa, that's, that's grossly unfair. Whoa, 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 whoa. But here's, here's the answer, guys. Let's just be honest. You and I have had plenty of chances to vote since then. And the reality is we've, passed, we've done some pretty bad votes ourselves, right? Every one of us has run from God. Every one of us has done exactly what God didn't want us to do and said, we don't care because it's what I want to do. Every one of us has shaken our fist at God. Wrong vote. Wrong vote. And if the story ended there, we'd all be in trouble. Go back to the passage. Verse 18. Consequently... Just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Now, here's the moment. See, Scripture says, all right, here was Adam, and Adam stood in front of a tree, and in front of that tree, cast a vote, condemning every one of us. Good news. Second Adam. See, there was another man who had the opportunity to be your and my representative, and he, instead of standing in front of a tree, hung on a tree and cast a new vote. And he said, my vote is to take my blood and cover the guilt. That's my vote. Which then left every single one of us with a choice. See, you and I get to choose who we want to have as our representative. And you can choose Adam. You can go, no, 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 no. I'm sticking with Adam. He's my homeboy. You know, (laughs) staying with him. And you don't have to stay with Adam. You can pick another representative. You can say, no, 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 no. I want Hare Krishna or I want Muhammad or I want Joseph. You can do that. Wrong representative. Because there's only one representative who could go and hang on a tree and cast the right vote, the vote of forgiveness for you. Now, some of you are putting two and two together and you're going, whoa, 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 whoa. And what you're saying, Lynn, is that the only way to fix this problem, the only way that anyone's ever going to again have a chance to have a relationship with God, the only way that someone is ever going to know that in eternity they're going to be with God is if they pick Jesus. Yeah? And, and somewhere someone's heart's going, well, Lynn, that is so narrow. That that is that is so closed minded. And here's here's what you need to hear me say. I I didn't I didn't come up with this. This wasn't my plan. Grab your Bibles. Go with me to the book of John. It's going to be to the left in your Bible. John chapter 14, it's verse 6. This is what Jesus said about that decision. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one, no one comes to the Father Except through me. And, 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 and let that sink in for a moment. Because you realize what that means then. That you and I who have been touched by Jesus Christ. You and I who have heard this story and it has made sense to us. And we have said, no, 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 no. I'm not letting Adam represent me anymore. I'm sticking with Jesus. All of us who have made that decision in our lives and have found life in that decision. You realize that means that you and I have the words of life. You and I have the information that everybody else needs. You and I have the words of life. About 17, 18 years ago, um, youth pastoring in Southern California. And one of our big trips every year was we would take every high school kid we could find and we'd uh, load them all in buses and we would drive from California over to Lake Havasu and we would do this thing called Beach Bash. And at Beach Bash, we would rent, I don't know, 15, 18, 20 sea We'd get every ski boat that we could get out of the church. We, we would put Volleyball nets up. We'd set up 10 weeks camp overnight. It was just a huge bash for the kids We'd probably take 200 to 300 high school students Lake Havasu Just wear their legs out skiing and sea doing all day long just a blast We get to the end of the weekend and uh, we're loading up the buses getting ready to come back And, and if you've ever been part of a big trip you, you do the head count and you make sure everybody's on the bus You don't want to leave anyone in Lake Havasu and just as we're finishing up the head count One of my sponsors comes running up from behind and says, Lynn, 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 they're pulling a young girl out of the water. Instant panic. And I go running over to the edge of the lake. And sure enough, here's four guys pulling this little gal out of the water. And thank God it wasn't one of our teams. And they bring her up onto the shore. I have never seen a human being that blue. And they set her on the ground and immediately her mother swoops her up into her arms and, and begins to rock back and forth and just sob. I looked at the mom and I said, hey, uh, uh, we, need, we need to put her on the ground and, and we need to do CPR. And I her, I'm thinking, man, there's no hope, but you know, you've got to try. Mom, in shock, just sits there and rocks, Crying. I looked at her and I said, ma'am, uh, we, we need to put your daughter on the ground and we need to pump on her and see if we can get the water out. She sits in rocks. I finally looked at her and I said, lady, blow in her mouth now. And she leaned over and blew in her daughter's mouth. And all of a sudden water came spitting out and eyes began to flutter. See, you just need to know in that moment, it was okay with me if mom didn't like my tone of voice. See, it was all right if, if later on she was going to go, boy, that pastor was really rude. You know that, right? I mean, the way he talked to me, you know, I mean, didn't think I knew. Because you know what the answer was? Words of life. eyes. You realize what God is saying. You and I have the words of life that those around us who haven't figured out Jesus yet are waiting to hear. I saw this amazing video. It's, it's, a, it's a group and, and they were, I saw it and I said, that's exactly it. That's exactly what we're talking about today. I don't even know if this group knows Jesus or not, but the words in this thing are amazing in the story of it. So I brought it in. We're going to take a look at it. This is exactly what we're saying to each other. It's a group called Nickelback. Words of life. And, and, and if you and I understood it that way, wouldn't we be willing to say something, even if it was a little uncomfortable, and 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 wouldn't wouldn't we be a little bit more bold in our faith? Wouldn't we say, "Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I, you, you're, you're welcome to know that." And wouldn't we do that without apology, if you and I knew deep down in our hearts words of life? And and I know some are going, "Well, I mean, wait a minute." What do you do? You run up and down the street, beating people up with your Bible. I mean, how do you do this? You know, I mean, what what, what are you asking? And, and you know, the truth is, guys, it's 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 not that hard. Matter of fact, the chances are the very people that you're supposed to say something to are probably already in your life. Great, grab your Bibles real quick. Go with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew's going to be to the left. Matthew chapter 5 and again this is Jesus talking about this very thing that you and I are talking together with today it's Matthew chapter 5 it's verse 13 here's what it says you 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 and I are the salt of the earth but if the salt loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You, you, you are the light of the world. And a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your heavenly father in heaven. You get what it's saying? It's saying, look, 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 you realize that this, this is what you and I are to be about. It says, look, what's the purpose of salt? Well, the purpose of salt is to be salty. And, and the purpose of light is to be lighty. <laughs> and, and the purpose of a believer is to show Jesus to people who haven't figured Jesus out yet. See, the, the answer is, is that people are supposed to brush up against our lives. And and after that moment, are supposed to walk away and go... Man, I, I think I got a little bit of Jesus on me. Wow. Wow. And, and then, and then they're supposed to go, you know what? That was pretty good. Salt and light. And, and, and here's, here's the cool part. Jesus says, look, 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 you, you don't even have to worry about who to talk to. Cause, cause the truth is, I've already strategically positioned you exactly where you need to be a light for me. And Jesus says, look, I know, I know. There are some people out there I don't. that they, they take their candles and they stick them under bowls. And Jesus just says, I don't do that. I don't do that with my sons and daughters. I don't stick them under bowls. Matter of fact, Jesus says, no, no, no. Instead, I find a stand. I, I find the most effective place to stick my children... So that their light is going to shine to people around them who don't know Jesus yet. Who haven't figured me out yet. I put my kids on lampstands. See, here's the deal. Some of you, some of you thought you worked at Intel for the benefits. Some of you think that, that you got a job there because they gave you the best job offer. You don't. You know why you work at Intel? Because Jesus looked at Intel and said, it's dark over there. And I need to make sure some light gets in. See, some of you think you live in your neighborhood because you picked the house based on how it looked. Really? Can I suggest to you today that... Maybe God was there making sure that your realtor drove you down the right street, that that those custom models were there and they had the right colors for you to pick because God looked and saw the neighbors who were moving into your neighborhood and said, I need to get one of my children in that neighborhood because it's dark and they need some light. See, some of us are here today and you're going, I have no idea why I have the relatives I have. I... I have got the most heathen family in the world. I mean, I mean, my family is heathen with a capital H. And I'm just telling you, every Thanksgiving is horrible <laughs> hanging around my relatives. Is it possible? Is it possible that the reason you've got Uncle Fred is because God looked and said, if, if Uncle Fred is ever going to have a chance... To figure out Jesus. Boy do I have the right niece for him. Boy do I have the right nephew. For him. And see here's the thing guys. Jesus has already promised. That he's strategically located you. And that there are people all around you. That he's hoping will see Jesus on you. Which then begs the question. Who are they? Who are? They? Who is it that's a neighbor of yours? Who is it that's a relative of yours? Who is it that's your supervisor? That, that, that you just go, man, that's super- I hate that supervisor. I'm willing to tell them about Jesus because it could only make them better. Who is it that God has placed in your life hoping they would see Jesus on you? Isn't that a great question? Inside your program. I put a little card in and on the card on the front side, it says my seeds, my seeds. Because here's the answer. You're only asked to plant. You're only asked to say that little bit about Jesus. You're only asked to sow. And so here's what I want to ask you. Would you consider, would you consider asking Jesus saying, Jesus, who are three people that you have placed in my life, hoping they would see Jesus in me? Who are those three people? Who would they be? Who would you put on the list? Now, here's the deal. If you and I are going to be light, if you're going to be light, you got to say something. Because a silent voice is like an unlit candle. And, and, and here's what you need to know. I don't need to hear your testimony about Jesus. The rest of the people in this room don't. We're all candles too. okay? And, and there's plenty of light in this room. But chances are that God has placed you somewhere where there is darkness. With the expressed hope. That you would be the light in that darkness. Because an amazing thing happens when you stick light in dark. It brings hope. See, the truth is, some of us work at jobs. And some of us live in families. And some of us live in neighborhoods where the only light is whatever light you give. And whatever words are going to be heard will be the words you say. Somewhere, somewhere, we've got to be willing to say it out loud. Now, here's the deal. I get it, I get it, I get it. Every one of us has had that moment when there was a chance for a spiritual conversation. You know what I mean. We were there, we were talking to a friend, someone said something, and in that moment, something in our heart said, say something, say something, and then we got all choked up. And we left that moment and we walked home or drove and we said, oh, I know, I know. I just know in my heart I should have said something. You know what the answer is? You probably should have. Because scripture says that no one comes to God except God draw them. So if, if, if there was actually a moment when a conversation became a little bit spiritual or someone was talking a little bit about God or spiritual things, there's a really good chance that that's because God was stirring their heart. So here's, here's what I'm just asking. What would happen? What would happen if a church for 30 days said, you know what? When I get a chance to speak, I'll speak. When I get a chance to pray, I'll pray. For 30 days, I'll be light. So, so here's, here's what we did. On the back of that card with the three names, here's what we're going to ask you to consider doing for 30 days. Number one, will you pray? Will you pray for those three names? Will you simply pray and say, God, would you please somehow in the next 30 days, show yourself to my three seeds, my three people, whatever that is. Number two, will you invite, will you invite your three seeds, your three people to come to something here? You you, you know, we've got, we've got friend day. We've got Kurt Warner coming up. Here's what you We're not doing Kurt Warner to entertain. We're doing Kurt Warner because this guy is an outspoken, unapologetic believer in Jesus Christ. MVP of the Super Bowl. And yet, he's going to be willing to say, look, here's why I need Jesus. In a way that's not offensive, it's not going to beat up your friends. In a way that hopefully is going to touch hearts. And they'll say, oh my, oh my. We've got Easter coming up. And and I, I... we're, getting, we're going to be in the new building hopefully by then. I can't tell you. What we're planning for Easter is amazing. If we can pull it off, your friends will see and hear and understand the gospel, the, the message of Jesus, like they've never heard it and seen it before. If we can get it done. What a great opportunity to just say, hey, would you come? Would you come? We have got a whole stack out there on the patio today. Cornerstone car stickers, okay? The dreaded Cornerstone car sticker. Even have a new version of it out there today. Now, here's the deal. I get that some of you shouldn't have these on your car. I've seen you drive. So, if that's you, then don't. Then don't. You know, I get it. I get some of us shouldn't have these on our car. But but here's the deal. What if, what if, what if, what if everyone... Just for... 30 days for 30 what if all of us had one on our car for 30 days I, I wish i could tell you how many scores and scores and scores and scores of people have come to this place and said you know i don't know what it was i, I saw a bumper i just figured that many bumper stickers something must be going on <coughs> next sunday next sunday when you come we bought t-shirts for every single person who calls cornerstone home every single one of you we bought a t-shirt for you and on the front of that t-shirt it just says it's coming now, I don't know what it is. I don't know. It can be Kurt Warner. It can be grand opening. It can be Easter. I don't know what it is. But, but here's what we're thinking. Next Sunday, we want to hand a t-shirt to 3,500 people and have you go out. And what we're asking is, will you wear it on Monday? And will you wear it next Saturday? And I get that some of us have jobs and, you, and at your job you can't wear them. So that's okay, just wear it on Saturday. But, but imagine this in Chandler. If 3,500 people in Chandler all wear the same t-shirt the same day that says, It's coming. And, and they're going to they're gonna ask, right? And, and you'll go, I don't know, but come find out when I do. You know, come see. I don't know what it is. You know? What if, what if a church... Of 3,500 said for 30 days, we're going to make Jesus famous. We're just going to see what we can do in a town called Chandler and Gilbert. And we're just going to see what God could do if we got a little louder, a little brighter for 30 days. What could happen? Here's what I want us to do. I want us to bow our heads. I want you to pray and say, God... Who are my three names? Who are my three seeds? Who are the people you've already stuck in my life hoping that they would see Jesus in me? Let's do that. Dear Heavenly Father, we simply come and we just, we get it. We're supposed to be salt. We're supposed to be light. We have this amazing, amazing story that everybody else is dying to hear. And so, God, we're just going to ask, would you fill our hearts with braveness? Would you just let us be unapologetic and say, yeah, I am. I am. I'm one of them. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and it has forever changed me. And I cannot tell you, I cannot tell you how different my life is. And if you ever get ready, if you ever get to the point where you think this makes sense, then come and ask, and I'll share with you the words of life. God, give us the boldness. Give us the courage. In Jesus' name, amen.